on right here. today's word amen amen we're ready so blessings to everyone who's here and blessings to all those who are watching online amen is my mic on yeah yeah okay perfect black sabbath to all this is the day that the lord has made even though it's a little gloomy outside and raining right but this is the day that the lord has made and we want to rejoice and be glad in it amen <laughs> We are always grateful and we will forever be grateful that God grants us the opportunity to be able to congregate because like how many times we say there's many who are not able to congregate, there's many who are persecuted uh, for following Jesus, for following Yeshua, and we still have that privilege here today, amen, to be able to congregate, to be able to get together, to be able to study his word as a family, as a unity, amen. Um, and we're so grateful for our congregation, amen. You know, we wanna, we wanna make sure that we invite others, right? We wanna make sure that we invite others um, to be able to hear and to study together what we're studying, right? Because like we say many times that it's not, it's no judgment to anyone or anything like that, but we've learned so much and we've come a long way. We've come a long way and we just want many to be also where we're at. Um, in the sense of studying his word, but going in depth, not just picking out a verse and, and just running with it. No, it's literally, you know, going verse by verse and learning his word. Amen. So we're grateful as well. As we always mention, we have different platforms to be able to speak his word. We have, of course, YouTube Live, where we have the opportunity to upload all of our Sabbath services, all of our Torah portions as well. Um, we also have our Facebook page, we have Instagram, we have Pastor Evelyn who's pursuing Emet, which many people have connected to her Instagram and people have joined us because of her Instagram page and pursuing Emet. Because there's a lot, a lot of things that she posts there that are very good and many people receive a lot of work when it comes to a lot of her posts. We also have uh, 14 different podcasts that Pastor Leo loves to talk about, which is amazing because all those podcasts, a lot of them, they're known here, but then you have a lot that are known in other countries. And like I said, it's 14 different podcasts. So you have Apple, Google, Spotify, which is the ones that we usually know, Anchor, Radio Public, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Cats, Stitcher, Podvine, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Audible. Amen. So we have all those platforms that we're able to, for others, because there's many people in other countries who are actually listening to our services. And even though we're just a small congregation, right? But his word is the one that's reaching the four corners Amen. of the earth because we're just servants. Amen. We're just servants of God and we're just here to do his will and not ours because it's not about us at the end of the day. Amen. Amen. So we just pray that um, all those who are joining, you know, that they're blessed by all of the teachings that are uploaded, everything that they hear um, in the podcast. Amen. So today, 
Uh, basically, what I'm going to be doing is, the topic of course is what is Sukkot, but I am going to recap the previous feast so we can have a better understanding of what Sukkot is, okay? And it's always good to go back because we kind of, even though it's something simplified, but it's always good to have a refresh because sometimes maybe somebody can ask you a question and you're like, okay, wait, I didn't, I, I, we studied that a long time ago already, so let me just go back right quick and, and study it, right? So it's always good. And it was a blessing for me because the same thing happened to me. You know, we're so busy with work, we're so busy with life, and so many things happening around us that a lot of times we forget. And that's why God, you know, so many times in His Word, He reminds us. Amen. Just like how a parent reminds us of things and we forget things, and us as children, we're like, I already know that. You don't got to tell me. But then we forget, and you're like, okay, can, can you tell me again? Because I kind of forgot. You know, so it's like, it's the same thing with us that God reminds us. And many times he says, remember, remember this or remember that, remember what I said long ago, right? And we need to be reminded, you know, we need to go back, you know, in, into his word because if they were to give us a test right now, I don't know who's gonna pass. I'm gonna copy whoever's next to me, <laughs> right? So, so we wanna make sure that we're ready. And that's what his word says, that we need to be ready because you never know when, like I said, somebody may come, they're gonna ask you, they're gonna ask you about your faith. They're gonna ask you questions and things like that because it's very easy for people to say when, when you tell them, oh yeah, I celebrate the feast and you know the feasts that are mentioned in the, in the word. Oh, you're Jewish now? Not really, you know, I wasn't really born, but you know, you wanna try to you know, explain it to them in, in the most simplified way. No, that's still Jewish though. No, but you know what happened was, you know, the word of God says this and yeah, that is still Jewish. <laughs> it's like, you know, you try to say it in the nicest of ways, right? But God opens the eyes of everyone at different times. Amen. Not everybody it's going to be at the same time. Everybody has had their experiences because God works with you one-on-one. -on -one. God works with you one-on-one. -on -one. And like I've told some of you before my story, um, I, I started, you know, learning about all this when I was 11. Many of, many of you are probably learning it just a couple of years back or just now. You know what I'm saying? So God has a plan and a purpose for you. He's going to open your eyes at the right time. He's going to give you the understanding at the right time. Because before, you could read the story a gazillion amount of times. And to you, it's like, oh, it's the story of Jonah. He got eaten by a fish. You know, I don't, there's really nothing, you know, to it. But then you dig deep into it, and there's so much more that you didn't know before that you're like, okay, so now I really got to sit down and, and really study this and really read this, right? So that's what, I, uh, what we're going to be doing today. I'm going to go over, I'm going to try to be brief, but I know it's going to be long because I know myself. <laughs> so for every feast, okay, so like that we have an understanding of um, the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Sukkot. So we know... Um, and I'm not going to mention, of course, a lot of details. Everything that has been happening these past two years, right? A lot of things have occurred. Literally, like, everybody's lives has changed, like, in such a way very fast, okay? And a lot of people didn't expect a lot of things um, that happened, right? So the first thing, especially as believers, a lot of people are going to say, that's it, Jesus is coming. Forget this, you know, Jesus is coming right now. Look at everything that's happening and things like that. Um, Jesus is coming right now, which is the common thing to say because it's we've heard it for so many years. Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. You have to get ready, Jesus is coming, right? 
but this is the reason why we have to study his word and to be able to understand the times that we are living in, okay? Because his word does say nobody knows the day or the hour, Amen. not even his son, only the father knows, okay? But this is why we need to read his word and have an understanding because you are going to have people who are going to try, okay? They're going to sit down and really try to figure out dates, and, and, and speak dates and say that, no, it's going to be a possibility that it's going to be during this time or there, nobody knows. So if anybody ever tries to give you a date that this is the date when the Lord is going to come, do not listen to them because only the Father knows. If you ever look into, and I, not that I'm getting so sidetracked, but if you ever look into what a Jewish wedding is or, or a, a Nazarene wedding is, you have... The groom with his family, you have uh, the bride with her family, the family comes together and then there's an agreement. Okay, when that when the, the bride accepts the agreement, they go their separate ways and then the bride and the groom does not know when they're gonna see each other again. Only the father knows. And that's not something that we're taught. You know, we're used to, you know, the kind of weddings that we're used to. We go to the court, you sign some papers and stuff like that, or you have, you know, a ceremony, whether it's in church or in a small place, right? But when it comes to a Jewish wedding, there's even more significance when it comes to that and the coming of the Messiah. And only the Father knows. And once the Father says, and the bride has to be ready. So imagine that. She has to be watching out the window to see when when Prince Charming is gonna come and stuff like that right and she has to be ready and her garments has to be ready so she can't be in PJs or go oh, I don't know when he's gonna come so I'm just gonna eat popcorn and watch TV because I don't know when you know so it's like no like she has to have her garments ready she's gonna have her bridesmaids and, and everybody everybody has to be ready because she never knows and the, and the groom doesn't know either so he has to be dressed and ready as well until the day that the father says, it's time. And he goes and he looks for his wife. And then they come together, they celebrate. But then if those around or those who were invited, they're not ready and you try and go and knock on the door to be part of the ceremony and nobody opens the door, guess what? You missed it. This is, the this is why we have to study his word. This is why we have to have Basically all the puzzle pieces trying to come together to have a better understanding. Amen? Amen. So as I said, many with everything that's been going on, they've been saying, yeah, the Lord is going to be coming very soon. But the scriptures say, as I mentioned, in the book of Mark chapter 13, verse 32, it says, But of that day or hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, except the Father. Verse 33 says, Keep on the lookout. Stay alert, for you do not know when the time is. So how do you stay alert? Especially with everything that's going on, because there's a lot of distractions around us, and, and we're so busy with our regular life. Even our regular life can keep us distracted from the things that God wants us to pay attention to, right? So it says, stay alert. Look out and stay alert. And it's, and it's an exclamation mark. So that means God is yelling at us. Huh. Stay alert. Look out. Like how a parent says, pay attention, muchacho. <laughs> <laughs> you know, exclamation point. 
So look out, stay alert, for you don't know when the time is. And this is a loving God. Even though people may say, oh no, like, the God of the Old Testament sounds pretty angry, or he sounds mean, or, you know, I prefer the God of the New Testament. He sounds all lovey, and, and, and I want to go and give him a hug because I know he's going to give me a present or whatever I ask him, you know, type of thing. And it's like, no, this is a loving God because he is telling us, stay alert. He's giving us the warnings, but are we listening? Are we listening? And that's, the, that's a loving God. That is a great God because he has left us instructions. He has given us the scriptures. So we may be on the lookout. So we may be on, uh, alert. That's how we can keep alert. When we're reading and studying the scriptures. Because we're not going to go by what anybody says. Don't go by what I'm saying right now. Go by what the word says. Amen. That's why it's good. Write your notes. Go back to the teaching. Read the scriptures. That's how you stay alert. Knowing what the scripture says. Because then you, you won't deviate to the right or to the left because you're like, no, the scripture says this. Whatever you're saying, it's totally opposite to what the scripture says. No matter how nice the person can be, go by what the scripture says. Because there he grants us wisdom. Like that, we're able to be on the lookout. We're able to be alert. Amen. And we ask God for revelation and to give us understanding. Because we can just read it. But do we have understanding of what we're reading? Because as I mentioned before, so many times we read the same story in the Bible over, over, and over again. And it never, it was just, oh, I know that story in the Bible. You know, but you have to go in depth. You have to go in depth. We have to be students of the word. And God warns us many times that yes, many things is gonna, many things is gonna happen. Many things is gonna occur in the times that we are living in. But one of the things that he teaches us is his appointed times. So the biblical feast, amen? Amen. But what's the issue that we have currently right now? We have two sides, okay? We have two sides. We have the believers, or there's, which is the, the Christians, which is the biggest religion that exists in the world, right? So you have the believers, you have the Christians who are taught that you know, it's all about, you know, grace. It's all about, you know, the back of the book. It's about the New Testament because the Old Testament has already been done away with. But then you have the other side, which you have the Jewish people, right? And you have that they've only known the Old Testament, <coughs> right? Because they never had the, the New Testament because the New Testament came way later. So they have the scrolls or they have the scriptures from way before. And they have all this information, which is a lot because since from even when they're born and they start, you know, getting a little older, when they're toddlers, they're taught the word of God. They have to memorize it. The first five books, memorize it by heart. So when they get to the teenage years or when they become 12 or 13 years old, they have something called a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah. And then by memory, they have to read in Hebrew the specific scriptures or scroll that they have to read. But then what's, what's the difference? That many of them don't know Yeshua, many of them don't know Jesus. And they have that part that the church is missing. Amen, so we have those, we have those two sides. 
But praise God that we're able to learn day by day. We're able to learn day by day because we're no better than anyone. Just because now we know this truth, now that we have all these teachings that, that, that we're learning, we're no better than anyone. We're here to be able to teach others as well. And we celebrate together with them for all those that are learning. So this year already, six feasts or six appointed times already have passed by. So this year has gone by fairly quickly. I, I feel like we just did Passover, like not too long right now. You know, so this year has gone by fairly quickly. So, and we're going to be entering now the final feast or the seventh uh, feast or appointed time. And it's going to be starting tomorrow at sundown. Okay. And that's going to last for seven days. And we'll get more into that. Okay. So, we're going to start with the first one. Okay. Because as I said, there's, I'm going to be very basic or try to be very basic with all, with all the feasts. But there's always a lot of information. And there's a lot of things that God teaches us through the feast for us to be able to understand his times. So we have the Passover. We have the Passover, or in Hebrew, it's Pesach. Okay, so during the Passover, as we've learned in Pesach, this is the time when Moses had returned to Egypt at the ending of chapter 4 of the book of Exodus and in, the and in chapter 5 of Exodus, Aaron and Moses, they present themselves before, the, before Pharaoh, okay? So this is going way back when, okay, in Exodus. They both present themselves before Pharaoh because they are pleading to him to let the people of Israel go. So during the Passover, this is what we're going back to remembering. So remember I mentioned in the beginning, that every time when God speaks to us, especially when it comes to his feast, he, he tells us to remember. Remember what I did during this time. And a lot of times it's because so we won't make the same mistakes. And yet we still make the same mistakes. Mm -hmm. We're just at yeah. a different time. So in this time you see Moses and you see Aaron. <laughs> and they present themselves before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh refused to let the people of Israel go. But something that we have learned, which I never knew before, because like I've been all my life in church, but I never knew that God was the one who hardened Pharaoh's heart. I just thought it was Pharaoh being rebellious, you know? So, but it was God who hardened Pharaoh's heart to not let his people go. And God does things like that for a reason, and we're never gonna understand. Mm -hmm. Because how are we gonna react to the situations that we are confronting? Are we gonna go with it with his word? Or are we going to confront it with our emotions and what we think? So they had to confront Pharaoh, and Pharaoh refused. And then we see in Exodus chapter 7 through 11, we see all the plagues that Egypt had gone through because of Pharaoh refusing to let God's people go. And then the final plague, this final plague would cause Pharaoh to let the people go. In chapter 12, Adonai, or the Lord, speaks to Moses and Aaron and gives them instructions on what needed to be done prior to, the, to them leaving Egypt. And Adonai had indicated that this was the first month which would mark the beginning of the months. So when we look in the scriptures, you're never going to see a name for the month. You're never going to see a name for the day. Because this is something that we're accustomed to in our calendars. But we know that all those names are, are pagan. Okay, so here it says that this is the first month, so Passover or Pesach, 
that month would be the first month which would mark the beginning of months, the first month of the year. And we learned uh, previously with Pastor Leo because many, many say that Rosh Hashanah, which is a Jewish uh, feast or a Jewish tradition, they say that that's the first month of the year. That's when the new year starts. And it's not. Okay? That is just a man-made tradition. Rosh Hashanah. The first month of the year, it begins during Passover. They were to take a year-old lamb, and it had to be a male lamb without blemish. On the 10th of the first month, they were to watch over it until the 14th day of the month, and at twilight, they were to slaughter it. That night, the meat of, of, the, of the lamb that was slaughtered had to be roasted by fire, and they were to eat it with matzot, or unleavened bread, and bitter herbs. Nothing was to remain of the slaughtered lamb, and all, that, and all of it had to be done with haste. So if you partook in the, in the, in the Passover Seder that we had, you would notice that on the plate there were, there were several elements, and one of the elements was the bitter herbs and the bread that did not have leaven, okay? So this was for us to remember, okay, to remember what they went through and what they had to do prior to leaving Egypt. Exodus 12, verse 11 says that it is Adonai's Passover. Does anybody see anywhere there that it says it's a Jewish Passover? Nowhere, right? It says, it is Adonai's Passover. So it is the Lord's Passover. The blood shed from the, the, the animal or from the lamb was placed on the crossbeam and the two doorposts. So the crossbeam and the two doorposts is where the blood had to be placed in their homes. And that same chapter, verse 13, says, the blood will be assigned for you on the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. The prophecy we see here in the Passover is Yeshua being the spotless lamb dying for us on the cross. We see this in the book of John chapter 1 verse 29. It says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 7 says, for Messiah our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. So that's why it is so important to read, to study, and then you compare also in the New Testament because you have the Old Testament, but then the New Testament confirms the Old Testament because you're going to see a lot of similarities with a lot of these verses. You're going to see it from the Old Testament and the New Testament. And in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, one had to remove all the hamets, which hamets is the leaven. So the leaven is what raises up the bread or what makes it taste good. Okay? So that had to be, during Passover, that had to be removed from all the homes because that is a representation of sin. So that had to be removed from the homes. The prophecy in the Feast of Unleavened Bread is the burial of Yeshua and bearing our sins. 1 Corinthians 5.8 says, Therefore, let us celebrate the feast, not with old hamets or old leaven, 
the hummets of malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread, the matzah of sincerity and truth. So that's interesting that it says sincerity and truth. Because here it's just talking about bread without leaven. So what does that really mean, right? So sincerity is another word for wholehearted. And the Hebrew word is tamim, which means finished, complete, or perfect before the Lord. In our relationship with God, tamim means being wholehearted, resolute, or and entirely committed to walking with him. So when we are partaking in the Passover and we're remembering and we're taking that unleavened bread, we need to keep in mind, am I walking wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly for the Lord? Or am I just doing this because I'm just, I'm just doing it because everybody's doing it? Every feast that we partake, partake in, you have to see yourself and you have to see your heart yeah. and ask God to see your intentions. <laughs> Because God sees it all. We can verbally say, you know, I'm doing this for God. I'm doing this or I'm doing that. But God sees the intention of your heart. So we see here in Psalm uh, chapter 119, verse 142, the ending of that verse says, And your Torah is truth. Amen. So we are to walk before the Lord, blameless, wholehearted, and walk in his truth, so walk Amen. in his instructions. Then we have the third feast, which is first fruits. So we already spoke about Passover and unleavened bread. So we have first fruits, which in Hebrew is Yom Havikurim. Yom Havikurim. So we're going to turn to Leviticus chapter 23, and we're going to read verse 10 through 11. And here in Leviticus 23, it gives you all the feasts. It gives you all the instructions and it gives you all the feasts. It gives you the four feasts that occur during the spring slash summer. Then you have the three feasts that occur in the fall. So Leviticus 23, chapter 10, I mean, chapter 23, verse 10 through 11 says, Speak to B'nai Israel or the children of Israel and tell them, when you have come into the land which I give to you and reap its harvest, then you are to bring the omer of the first fruits of your harvest to the Kohen or to the priest. He is to wave the omer before Adonai to be accepted for you. On the morrow after the Shabbat or after the Sabbath, the Kohen is to wave it. So here, just as the Omer was to be waived, as it's specified in here in chapter 23, Adonai, before Adonai to be accepted, so was Yeshua before the Lord when he was placed on the cross to be accepted by the Father as the first fruits offering. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20 through 24. And it says, 
But now Messiah has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also came through a man. For as in Adam all die, so also in Messiah will all be made alive. But each in its own order, Messiah the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Messiah, then the end, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all rule and all authority and power. Because right now, currently here in the world, the one who is ruling and who has authority and power, we know who it is. But when the time comes, that's going to be taken away from him. That's right. And then we have the fourth feast, which is Shavuot, or as we well know it as Pentecost. Okay? And we've been accustomed to uh, that in the book of Acts, that's when Pentecost happened. The Pentecost actually happened in the beginning of the book. Okay? Shavuot or Pentecost, another word for it is the Feast of Weeks. So Shavuot means weeks. So right after first fruits, so once it once first fruits um, ends, then we begin counting the 50 days or seven Sabbaths to reach Shavuot or to reach Pentecost. So Shavuot means weeks, and then the beginning word of Pentecost, which is Pente, means 50. Okay, so it's 50 days that we are counting to be able to get to to Pentecost. And why is that? Because everything always has a meaning. So why, why is it that we're counting 50 days? Right? So we count 50 days because it took the Israelites seven weeks to get to Mount Sinai from Egypt. Remember, they didn't have cars. They had donkeys and sheep and goats and lambs and a bunch of other animals. Right? So they're not going to get there very fast. So it took them seven weeks. So pretty much a month and almost two months. It took them to be able to get from Egypt to Mount Sinai. And each day it, it is counted. And this is called the counting of the Omer. Or in Hebrew, Sefirat Chaomer. So the counting of the Omer. And this count marked the wheat harvest from the spring festival of Passover. So during this feast, it is said, the Torah, the Lord's instructions, were given to the people of Israel at Mount Sinai. And we can see this in the book of Exodus chapter 19 and 20. So now we've already seen briefly the four feasts, okay? So we have Passover, we have unleavened bread, we have the first fruits, and we have Shavuot. And these four feasts, or these four appointed times, they've already come to pass, and this was representing the first coming of our Messiah. Okay? So then now, now that these four feasts are already passed by, there is a time frame or a time period in between what is Shavuot and what is the Feast of Trumpets, okay? 
or like in school how they call it summer they have like the summer vacation or, or summer school so it's that gap in between okay so what should we be doing during that time of course when we have already the understanding of what the feasts are and we already know the upcoming feast so what should we be doing between that time that we have received his instructions and then waiting for that time which is the feast of trumpets or Yom Teruah so we should be learning his instructions during that time we should be getting that understanding okay now the fall feasts are coming so let me look into it let me study it let me read it and, and ask God for wisdom and revelation to be able to understand the coming feast. So we have Yom Teruah or we have the Feast of Trumpets that comes in the fall, okay? And it's usually during uh, the month of or around the time frame of September. Between September and October, we have the fall feast. So as I mentioned, during that time or that time frame, we want to make sure that we are drawing near to God because his word says that when we draw near to him, he draws near to us, right? Because many times we like to ask, 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 but we don't draw near to him when it comes to reading his word. We don't draw near to him when it comes to prayer. We don't separate that time, right? To be able to spend with him, to be able to have him speak to us because it's very easy to speak 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 to him but do we ever just stop and pause for him to listen to us because how are we going to know or recognize his voice right out of all the voices that we hear how are we going to recognize his voice so in the book of joel joel chapter 2 verse 1 we're back in the old testament It says, Blow the shofar in Zion. Sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all living in the land tremble, for the day of Adonai is coming. Surely it is near. Okay? So as I mentioned before, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Teruah, or the Feast of Trumpets, is two different things. So you have the biblical feast or the, the biblical, I'm sorry, appointed time, which is the Feast of Trumpets, but then you have Rosh Hashanah, which is a man-made tradition that they consider it to be the new year, okay? Yom Teruah, it is translated as the day of trumpets, the day of shouting, or the day of blowing, so blowing the shofar, okay? Matthew 24, verse 42 says, as uh, I think I already read this one before, it says, therefore stay alert, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. When blowing the shofar, there are several distinct sounds and meanings to them, okay, which I'm going to be attempting. You have the first sound, which is tekiah, which is a single blow. So it's just one single blow. It's a long, loud blast. This sound brings attention. Okay, so of course that's going to grab anybody's attention because you could be busy doing your thing and if somebody out of nowhere blows this, you're like, okay, what happened? You know? So it's just one single blow. It's a long, loud blast. <clears throat> then you have 
Shevarim. Shevarim is three broken blows. This can represent either sounds of cry or joy. Okay? So just three sounds. Then you have terua or trua, which is either nine or more rapid blows. This one is compared to an alarm. And we all know what an alarm sounds like because when it wakes us up, we snooze it. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> We've all done it. Yep. Confess it. Yep. yep. Right? We snooze it a couple of times until we finally wake up. But this, we cannot snooze. Right? Because we need to make sure that we are what? We look out and we stay alert. alert. Okay? So this one is repeated sounds. It's not coming out. <laughs> so practice makes perfect so that's repeated sound so that is an alarm a wake-up call okay a wake-up call then you have tequila gedola tequila gedola now what is that that one is the great blast that's the first time I hear of that one, the great blast. And this one is a very long sound, okay? It's a loud blast. And then afterwards, it's basically a sequence of all the other ones, okay? But right now, I'll just do the long one. <laughs> okay? So... It is very important for us to know these sounds and to have an understanding of what these sounds are. Because when the time comes and we don't recognize the sound, we are gonna miss it. We are gonna miss it and we need to be prepared for the times to come, okay? So we have tequila, a single blow. We have shevarim, which is three broken blows. So the first one is to grab the attention so that's where Yom Teruah comes in. That's where the Feast of Trumpets comes in. So for the Fall Feast, God is grabbing our attention. All right, we already know the first four feasts are already passed. We go through it for remembrance, you know, and partake in it because the Word of God tells us to, to partake in it. It is a commandment to partake in the Lord's Feast, Amen. right? For us to remember where we came out of, all right? Where the people of God came out of. And we see his first coming. We see the, how he was um, uh, crucified. And we see how he resurrected. Okay, but then now we have the fall feasts that are coming. And here is where Yeshua is trying to grab our attention. Okay, we have Shevarim, which is the three broken blows, which is either a sound of cry or a sound of joy. Okay, then we have Teruah, which is the rapid blows, and this is an alarm, and this is a wake-up call, okay? So I don't know if this was the specific, the specific one that they would use when they would go to war, as an alarm, like, okay, we're gonna go to war now. They could have probably used that one, or they have the other one where it was grabbing everyone's attention, which was the tequila, 
So we have to ensure that we have an understanding of, of this. In the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 15, it says, He who has ears, let him hear. Matthew 24, 31 says, He will send out his angels with a great shofar. With a great shofar. And they will gather together his chosen ones. From the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. So from the four corners of the earth, the angel's going to go with a great shofar, and he's going to gather the chosen ones. And who are the chosen ones? The ones who recognize the sound. The one, the one who has ears to hear. And they recognize the sound. And then we just... And then we have Yom Kippur, which we just had this past week. In Hebrew, Yom Kippur, or in English, the Day of Atonement. And you also have Yom HaKippurim, which another word for it is also the Day of Covering. So this specific day, this is a solemn and holy day, okay? This is not considered a feast. This is an appointed time. So an appointed time is when you meet with him. So you have seven feasts, but not all of them are feasts. You have those that are specific appointed times. Because during Yom Kippur, there's really not much joy going on. First and foremost, you're hungry because you're fasting. So you're not happy, right? Your stomach hurts, your head hurts, right? But it is a time that you're supposed to set apart to meet with him. It is a time where you have to mourn, okay? You have to mourn and you basically have to sacrifice yourself, not physically, of course, but you have to sacrifice your emotions, everything that you feel, and it is a time where you have to go before the Lord with a contrite heart and say, God, forgive me for every sin that I've done, intentional and unintentional. And, that, and Yom Kippur is considered a Sabbath, so we are not to work on Yom Kippur. So for next year, if you have the opportunity to ask for it in advance, you can search up the dates, because God has given me the privilege to do that, and I've been able to partake. I think it's these past two years I've been able to do the feast. You search up the dates, and you're like, I'm going to ask for these specific dates in advance, because you want to meet with him. Don't worry about what anybody says. If people know it's a Jewish holiday, I've, I've had people tell me that, and I'm like, no, it's really not, but okay, you know? So, but it is important because you wanna have that set apart time with you. Because Yom Kippur is considered a Sabbath. This is a solemn and holy day, and it occurs on the 10th day of the seventh month, according to Leviticus 23. And the high priest would perform rituals. So when you go back to the book of Leviticus, you are able to see all the offerings and all the sacrifices in depth, in which we've learned already before. We can always go back and study it. They would perform rituals um, with an atoning sacrifice for not only his sins and his family's sins, but also the sins of the people. And the high priest, and I put emphasis on high priest, when I'm saying that, would enter once a year into the most holy place, 
okay, the high priest, not, not just a regular priest, the high priest would enter once a year. And only he knew at that moment the real name of God. He was the only one who knew. So he had to be right before the eyes of the Lord because when he walked in, they had like little bells on their ankle. And I think there was like a string or a rope that was attached to their leg because if they were not right before the Lord, they would die. And then they had to pull the person out. So that person had to ensure that they followed all the instructions of the Lord when it came to all the sacrifices, when it came to all the offerings, when it came to to their cleansing, when it came to their garments, they had to be on point. Okay? Because that was a holy time when they went inside um, the temple. It was once a year that they did it. Okay? Today, we no longer have to sacrifice animals to atone for our sins because Yeshua, the Lamb of God, took our place and died on the cross for us and bore our sins and our sicknesses upon him. Let's go to the book of Hebrews. Chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 through 12. And it says, But when Messiah appeared as Kohen Gadol, high priest, Remember, I made emphasis on high priest. But when Messiah appeared as Kohen Gadol, which is high priest of the good things that have now come, passing through the greater and more perfect tent, we'll get into that afterwards, and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, he entered into the holies once and for all. So the high priest would enter enter the holies once and for all not by the blood of goats and calves but by his own blood having obtained eternal redemption so one of the things that Yeshua has taught us while here on earth is that every day we are to practice repentance so yes, even though we have that appointed time, which is Yom Kippur, that we separate that time and we go before the Lord and we ask for uh, forgiveness of our sins and to repent, this is a lifestyle. It's just not one day. So we need to make sure that every single day we are practicing repentance and we are going before the Lord. So on Yom Kippur, we are to afflict ourselves and fast as I mentioned before and it is considered a Sabbath and we are to humble ourselves because Yeshua humbled himself we are to humble ourselves before his presence this is a statute forever Leviticus 23 31 it doesn't say this is a statute sometimes or for a season or maybe one year yes and one year no this is a statute forever. <laughs> On this day, we don't only remember the forgiveness of our sins and what Yeshua did for us, but we look to 
what's going to happen in the coming times. The book of Acts chapter 5 verse 31 says, This one God exalted at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and removal of sins. Let's go to the book of Joel. I have a lot of verses for you. <laughs> Just half of the Bible, but it's okay. <laughs> so Joel chapter 1, verse 14 through 20. Joel chapter 1, verse 14 through 20. And it says, Consecrate a fast. So what is it that we do in Yom Kippur? We fast. Consecrate a fast. Pro proclaim a solemn assembly. Gather elders and all living in the land to the house of Adonai your God and cry to Adonai. So that's why I said this is a time. It's not a joyous time. This is a time where we're crying out to God, asking for forgiveness, asking for him to forgive the nation, asking him to forgive all those in the land. So it's not only us, we, we also plead for our families, we also plead for our friends, our co-workers, for all the community. Ah, the day, the day of Adonai is near. As havoc from, from Shaddai, it will come. So it's not a joyous time. Verse 16, is food not cut off before our eyes? Do we see something similar that's happening today? Mm -hmm. Is food not cut off before our eyes? Yep. How many places haven't we seen shortages? Yep. Hmm? Joy and gladness from God's house. A lot of churches are empty or a lot of churches are closed. We're seeing that today. Seed has shriveled under the dirt clod. Storehouses are desolate. Granaries are torn down, for the grain has withered. A lot of people who are farmers, mm -hmm. a lot of people have lost their farms, or they obligate them to close down their farms and not produce any of the seed and not to give any of the grains. We may not see it happening here, but it's happening in a lot of other places. Yes. Mm -hmm. How the animals groan. The herds of cattle are, per, are perplexed because they have no pasture. A lot of places, they provoke fires. It's not a natural fire. They are provoked. And the animals are suffering. The flocks of the sheep also suffer. To you, Adonai, I cry. For fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness, and flame has set ablaze all the trees of the field. Also the beasts of the field pant toward you, for the water of the of wadis are tried up, and fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. Then we go to chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, and it says, Blow the shofar in Zion. We read it before. Sound an alarm on my holy mountain. So also in Yom Kippur, on the, on, on the right at sundown, you also blow the shofar as well for the beginning of 
Yom Kippur. Let all the living in the land tremble, for the day of Adonai is coming, surely it is near. Verse 2, a day of darkness and gloominess. This is the day of the Lord. So whenever you see a verse that says, the day of the Lord, remember what this verse says. A day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, as blackness spreads over the mountains. Then let's go down to verse 12 through 14. And it says, Yet even now it is a declaration of Adonai, Turn to me with all your heart. Mm -hmm. So on Yom Kippur, we are to turn to him with all of our hearts. With fasting, weeping, and lamenting. Rend your heart, not your garments, and turn to Adonai your God. For he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abundant in mercy, and relenting about the calamity due. So meaning that, you know, he can just go full force and destroy everything because of the sin. But he is relenting because you have the people or the chosen people who are going before the Lord who are setting this day apart, who are going with all of their hearts and they're asking for forgiveness and they are practicing repentance. Verse 14, who knows? He may turn and relent and may leave a blessing behind him. So there may be a grain offering and a drink offering for Adonai, your God. (coughs) Who knows? Revelation chapter 21 verse 4 says, He shall wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Nor shall there be mourning or crying or pain any longer, for the former things have passed away. So look at the section where it says, Death shall be no more. Because when we see death, of course, death is when someone dies, someone passes away, right? But when we also look at what death is compared to, you look, you go to the book of Romans, chapter 6, verse 23. And what does it say? For sin's payment is death. So in his coming, he's going to do what? Wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, meaning that there will be no more sin nor shall there be any mourning so during Yom Kippur when we have our mourning and we're crying or any pain any longer for the former things have passed away and now we reach to the upcoming feast so we already spoke about all six feasts so you have Passover unleavened bread first fruits Shavuot you have Yom Teruah, the Feast of Trumpets, and you have Yom Kippur. That's already six. So now we are in the seventh and final feast day, which is Sukkot. Okay? So we're going to go back to Leviticus 23. Because as I said, that's where you have all the feasts mentioned. So you have Sukkot, or in Hebrew, it's Sukkot is in Hebrew. You also have another Hebrew word, which is Hag HaSukkot. Okay? So the feast has different names, or it's known by different names. So we have, of course, the Feast of Tabernacles. 
you have the Feast of Booths, you have the Feast of Ingathering, or you have the Festival of Shelters, okay? And we are to partake in this feast on the 15th day of the seventh month. So five days after Yom Kippur. And we know that five is, the biblical meaning is the grace of God. So five days after, okay? So we see the number 15 and we see the number seven. So the number 15 in the Bible, it signifies rest. 15 means rest. And the number seven means completeness or perfection. So that's very interesting that this feast falls on the 15th day of the seventh month. So let's read Leviticus chapter 23, verse 33 through 44. And the word of the Lord says, Adonai spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Bnei Israel and say, On the fifteenth day of this seventh month is the feast of Sukkot. For seven days to Adonai. So it is celebrated for seven days. So basically you have a party for seven days. <laughs> so for seven days to Adonai. On the first day, there is to be a holy convocation. You are to do no laborious work. So it is saying that the first day is a Sabbath. Okay, it is a Sabbath. For seven days, you are to bring an offering by fire to Adonai. The eighth day will be a holy convocation to you, and you are to bring an offering by fire to Adonai. It is a solemn assembly. You shall do no laborious work. So the eighth day, even though the feast is for seven days, you do have the eighth day, which is called Simchat Torah. So that is the final and great day, okay? Verse 37, these are the Moadim of Adonai. So these are the appointed times, which you are to proclaim to be holy convocations to present an offering by fire to Adonai. A burnt offering, a grain offering, a sacrifice and drink offerings, each on its own day. So all of these offerings, you can see it in the beginning of the book of Leviticus, if you want to learn more about it. Besides those of the Shabbatot, or the Sabbath of Adonai, and besides your gifts, all your vows, and all your freewill offerings, which you give to Adonai. Verse 39. So on the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruits of the land, you are to keep the feast of Adonai for seven days. The first day is to be a Shabbat rest, and the eighth day will also be a Shabbat rest. On the first day, you are to take choice of fruit, to take choice fruit of the trees, branches of palm trees, boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and rejoice before Adonai your God for seven days. You are to celebrate it as a festival to Adonai for seven days. So you see, it mentions it over and over again, because like I said, we need a lot of remembering to do, right? So God is letting us know, hey, it's seven days. But there's a reason. When he says things several times, we know that it means something. So we got to remember, seven, 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 seven. He mentions it a lot. For seven days in the year. But then look what it says here. The same way that it said it for Yom Kippur. It is a statute forever throughout your generations. So this is not a Jewish thing. So this is that everybody, so you have the Jew which lives 
right, in the land, and you have the outsiders, which is us, because we were engrafted in, we are to partake in this, and it says throughout your generations. So you, your children, your children's children, the children of the children, the children of the children, children. Children. You are to celebrate it in the seventh month. You are to live in Sukkot for seven days, or Sukkot, or shelter. All the native born in Israel are to live in Sukkot, so that your generations may know that I had that I had been Israel dwell in Sukkot when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am Adonai your God. So Moses declared to Bnei Israel the Moadim of Adonai. So it says the Moadim of Adonai. So the appointed times of the Lord. Okay, so if anybody ever asks or tells you it's a Jewish holiday, just go to Leviticus 23 verse 44 and it says that these are the Moadims of the Lord. So they belong to God. Amen. So we remember on this day, on Sukkot, the freedom of the people of Israel from slavery from the land of Egypt. So when we go back to the book of Exodus, chapter 14, and we see the mighty hand of God, of what he did with Moses and the people at the Sea of Reeds, and how they were able to cross on dry land, and the Egyptians who were coming after them were defeated. So I could only just imagine how that looked like because you know the TVs that we have now, you know, they're very clear and they're very 3D and all that stuff, but imagine seeing it face to face. You know, that you're standing there, the ocean just splits open like if nothing, and you just walk through on dry land. You can imagine that, right? And they were defeated and the Lord closed the sea back up again. And Israel, because of what they saw, they feared the Lord. They feared Adonai. And then in the next chapter, which is chapter 15, we see the song of Moses and Miriam. Okay, so the song of Moses and Miriam basically consists of them praising the Lord because of where um, they were taken out of. Okay, because they were in slavery, not just for a month and not just for a year. They were in slavery for over 400 years. Okay. And it wasn't easy for them because when Moses got there with Aaron and he was trying to tell Pharaoh to let the people go, Pharaoh made it 10 times harder for them. He was sort of nice to them, providing the supplies that they needed to do what they had to do. But then when Pharaoh got upset, he's like, get the stuff away from them. Now they're going to have to work 10 times harder to be able to get that stuff that was given to them to be able to do. And the story goes on and on. Okay, so in Exodus chapter 15, like I said, we see the song of Moses and Miriam, and they're in the midst of the song. They're singing and they're dancing before the Lord because of what he did. And as they begin to travel, so they're already out of Egypt, they already crossed the Red Sea, and now they're going to go into the wilderness. So three days later, so this is kind of like the first complaint. Three days later, Moses, where's the water? <laughs> I mean, you just left Egypt, you know, you don't have a refrigerator, you don't have a backpack, you didn't take nothing, you just got out, just out of Egypt. Like when you're born, you don't have anything. You know, you just got out of Egypt. And they already started to complain, where's the water? So they reached a place called Merah, okay, and there the waters were bitter. Okay, that's where they got the word Merah from. 
the waters were bitter and they could not drink it. So Moses cried out to Adonai. So Moses, being the picture of Yeshua, he was the one who would pray for them. Just like how Yeshua is the one between us and the Father who goes before the Father and intercedes for us. So then you have Moses who cried out to Adonai, God, look at these people. You know, they're upsetting me and they're asking me for water. What do we do? And then God shows him a tree, or I'm assuming it says tree, but I, I mean, it's kind of like hard to, I'm a very visual person. So I'm like, he grabbed the tree and he threw it in the water. I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming it's probably a branch, but I can't assume because we can't add or take away from the word, you know? So he got a tree. So Moses is very strong. He got a tree and he threw it into the water and the waters were made sweet. And the waters were made sweet and they were able to drink. So let's go to Exodus chapter 15. Exodus 15, verse 25 through 27. Exodus 15, verse 25 through 27. And it says, There he made a statute and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them. He said, if you diligently listen to the voice of Adonai your God, do what is right in his eyes, pay attention to his mitzvot or his commands, and keep all his decrees, I will put none of these, none of the diseases on you, which I have put on the Egyptians. For I am Adonai who heals, who heals you. Then they came to Elim, where they were, 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees. So they camped there by the waters. So keep that in mind. 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees. So we can kind of see that there's a correlation with the Feast of Sukkot and then there's water involved because when they were in the wilderness and things like that, and then the 12 springs of water, you know, we may try to compare it to, you know, there's the 12 tribes of Israel. And then when we see 70 palm trees, we probably try to compare it to the 70 nations that when in the Tower of Babel, you know, when everything that had occurred, there was, this, everybody spoke the same language, but then that's it. There was a Chinese person here. There was another person here talking another language and nobody understood each other. So there was the 20 nations after, after Noah. So 20 nations, 70 nations, I'm sorry. 70 nations. So the Feast of Sukkot commemorates the ingathering of the harvest at the end of the year or at year's end. This is a season of great joy and rejoicing over God's abundance. Okay, so the people of God, they were rejoicing because they had left Egypt, but then year after year they would rejoice because they had the abundance of the harvest that they collected okay it is the third pilgrimage feast of all the seven feasts so you out of the seven feasts you have three pilgrimage feasts so what does that mean so that basically means that out of the harvest that you collect you give your best you do that in passover you do that in shavuot or the feast of pentecost and you do that in sukkot you give the very best, okay? 
This feast lasts for seven days, and then you have the final and great day, which is called Simchat Torah, which I mentioned before. The people of Israel were in temporary booths. Emphasis on temporary. They were in temporary booths when God granted them the freedom out of Egypt. We are temporarily going through this journey. Because as we've learned before, we are not of here, right? We are temporarily going through this journey. Now the boots, they were made out of branches from trees. There were different um, elements that were mentioned in, in Leviticus 23. And the top was covered with, with palms, right? The leaves of the palm, the palm trees. But when you kind of look at the sukkah or like the way that it's actually built, you see how fragile it looks like because it's not something that's very strong or sturdy. Okay, because we don't, before they didn't have those tools or anything like that. They grabbed the branches, they put them together, whatever they had. They put the palm leaves on top of it. So it looks fragile. Okay, when they put this together. And this is basically a symbol of how fragile life can be. And our dependency on God. So we have to look at all the details. In when it comes to the when it comes to all the feasts, all that we have, where we live, what we own, it's a luxury compared to what what they went through. Right now, the sukkahs they make them super nice. You can go on Google and search them, and they look really really nice. But I'm sure that the ones that they actually built, very simple one, very fragile. So during this time. We are to remember all of the provision that God has granted us. Because everything that we have is because of him, not because of us. Amen. Because he is the one who gives Amen. us the strength to go to work. Amen. He is the one who provides for us. It is not your boss. Okay? He is the one who opens doors. But we are to be obedient to his word. Because it's very, it's very easy to ask God, give me, give me, give me. But are we doing our part? Are we obeying his commandments when it comes to giving, right? So this is a time where we remember all of his provision that he has granted us. In the Feast of Sukkot, there is a ceremony that is done. Now, this specific ceremony, it is not a biblical ceremony. It is a tradition, but we also need to keep in mind that not all traditions are bad. You do have the man-made religious traditions that go against the word of God, but this specific tradition is called a water libation ceremony, okay? Water libation ceremony. And, and in Hebrew is nisuk ha-mayim. So mayim means water, okay? So what would happen during this time? So basically it was a joyous time, like I said. There's a joyous time for the provision that God has granted us. There's a joyous time for the water, because we just read about the water, the water that God provide, uh, provides for us here today, and of course during that time, the water that God provided for the people of Israel. Because even though they were rebellious, and they said what they said, and they complained, at the end of the day, God still provided. So just like how we saw there, the tree that was thrown into the waters, the waters were made sweet, they were able to drink. We see later on when uh, uh, water came out of the rock. 
that even though Moses did something that he wasn't supposed to, but yet water still came out of the rock. And God provided the water for them. Okay? So, this is something that they would do year after year. This tradition, when it came to the water libation, when it came to being, you know, having that joyous time because of the water that was provided. And a lot of times they would do this in the courts of the temple. So you had the temple, you had the, the outer courts, you had the inner courts, then you had the holy, the holy place, and then you had the holies of holies. So this would happen outside of the outer courts, and it was basically a bunch of people. When you look at images online, you see just a bunch of people that they're all gathered. You have the men at the bottom that they're dancing and they're celebrating. You have the women uh, in, the, in the balcony areas. You have like their tambourines and they're celebrating and they're worshiping God. So they made this a very, very joyous time. And one of the things that they would have in the courts was a very, very large pole. Okay, and that large pole had four bowls. And those four bowls were filled with oil and then they would use it to light up. Like if it was, let's say like what we see now that we see a street light, right? That it lights up a big, a big section of like the area. But this specific light that would be erected up, it would light up miles and miles to the villages that were around. So you can see how big and how great this light was right there where they were celebrating. So keep that in mind. So when we look at water, water has such a deep significance, right? Water, I mean, overall is the sustenance of our life. We could only live a certain amount of days or, 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 or a certain amount of days can pass by that we, that we can't have water, but we're gonna need it eventually. Right, because our body is made up the, the largest percentages of water. Okay, so we need that water. That's the sustenance of life, not only for us, but for the animals, for the vegetation, right around us, for the trees, for the ground, for everything. So water, we know that com it comes from heaven, and it also comes from the deep grounds inside. When you're when there's countries that they're digging to make a well. They have to dig really deep underground to be able to have that water come out. Okay? Mm -hmm. The waters, when the waters were separated of the waters? Wow. Uh huh. So, the Israelites were solely dependent on the Lord for all these things. For, the, for, for the, the food that they ate, for the harvest that they gathered, for the water that they gathered. They, all their dependency was directly from God. Their dependency was not on man because it was only God who was able to provide um, that for them. So their dependency was on God for, for God to send the rain on their crops. So if rain didn't come, guess what? You know that they were there on their knees praying you know, to God to open the heavens and to bring water on their crops because they needed the crops. When the temple was standing at that time, Every sacrifice included some type of wine being poured out over the altar or water being poured out on the altar. And this was a special ceremony. And then in the temple, when the sacrifices were made, we know that blood was shed. Okay, blood was shed with these sacrifices. 
and it was poured out from the sacrifice, together also with water on the altar. While Yeshua was on the cross, and he knew that all was completed already, to fulfill the scriptures, he said, I am thirsty. And a sponge was soaked in sour wine on a hyssop branch and was brought to his mouth. When he tasted it, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave his spirit. Then in the book of John, chapter 19, verse 34, we see how the soldier pierced his side and immediately blood and water came out. Let's go to the book of Revelation, chapter 22. All the way in the back. Chapter 22, verse 1 through 2, and it says, Then the angel showed me a river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the city streets. On either side of the river was a tree of life, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, so you can't bear fruit if there's no water. Mm. Yielding its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Healing of the nations. This is in the importance of why we should study the scriptures. So God may grant us revelation and understanding. The word of God is the true prophecy. If anybody comes with anything different, and we've learned, we've learned because so many people come saying that they're prophets. So many people want to come and, and, and tell you your future, because that's what it basically is. They want to tell you what's going to happen, what God is going to bless you with, what God is going to give you, and so on and so forth. The true prophecy is found in the word of God. Everything that we just spoke about right now with this feast all of it is prophecy. It is the word of God. It's stuff that already happened before, and it's stuff that's going to happen to come. That is true prophecy. The scriptures and his instructions. Because many people, they want to cause confusion. They're basically doing a show, in other words. Because they're making their name great. Oh, have you ever heard of the prophet, blah, 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 blah? Oh, I, I want to invite him to church, or I, I want to hear what he has to say, because I want to know just to see what he's going to say about me, or if he's going to pick at me. Because you have those that they call you by name. Mm -hmm. Oh, on this date, this, this is going to happen to you. And everybody's going crazy, and everybody's falling back, and all this stuff. Yeah. And it's not to make fun, because we, we've, all been, we've all been through that. And we've seen many of that, and it's, and it's, and it's amazing, you know, that all the things that are going on and, and what we thought was right, we were so wrong. Mm -hmm. And all we can do is pray for our brothers and sisters and minister and speak to them mm -hmm. because we are called to do that. It's like, hey, look, you know, I, I used to, you know, you know, go through that. I, I would see all these things and, and they would prophesy this to me and they would tell me these things. But let me tell you something. This is what the word of God says. Mm -hmm. This is his truth. It's not mine. And God has opened my eyes and he can do the same thing with you. Don't be afraid. Don't worry about what people may say or what they may think. 
Because that's what's happening to a lot of church members. They're afraid about what their neighbor may say. Or they're too scared to go ask the pastor, hey, look, you know, I read this. What does this mean? And then the pastor just brushes it off. Mm -hmm. Oh, that doesn't mean anything. That, that happened long ago. No, that is the prophecy. And you can't keep that word from the people. And the definition of prophecy or all these prophecies that are to come, a lot of it is placing a lot of fear on people. It's placing fear on people and we're, we're pretty much paying attention more to the fear than paying attention more to Yeshua and his coming and what his word says. Right? And then people just start trying to research and try to find all these things and try to connect A with B and then C and then it's just causing them more fear. And then, no, but look what the news said and, 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 and look at this um, theory that was mentioned. And then I'm just researching about, but what does the scripture say? Have you stopped and say, okay, no, let me look at the scriptures? Because a lot of people have a lot of information. Yes, there's a lot of truths that are coming about, a lot of things that we didn't know about that are coming about. But what does the word of God say? That's what's important. And that is what should matter to us. The book of John chapter 10 verse 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. So when we recognize his voice, he knows us. That's a that's amazing, Amen. because that's something that we have in the back of our minds. Like you know, I want to go before the Lord and, and and have Him tell me, "Good and faithful servant." You know, I want Him to recognize me because if He doesn't recognize us, He tells us, "You know, get away from me. I don't know you." But here it says, "My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me." So we shouldn't be following all these theories, mm -hmm. all these prophecies, all these other stuff that they're saying. You know, it says, his word says, follow me. So follow what his word says, not what a theory may say, or what a person may say in the news, or whatever the case may be. Follow Jesus, follow Yeshua. These feast days or appointed times, they all belong to him. And we are to partake in them, because it is a statute forever. Amen. The Lord abided with his people, while they were in the wilderness, he was there as a pillar of cloud by day, and he was there as a pillar of cloud by night. He did not leave their side. And in Sukkot, we are to prepare ourselves for the coming of the Messiah, for the coming of Jesus and his kingdom here on earth. Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. The chapter before, Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. And it says, I also heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of God is among men, and he shall tabernacle among them. They shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them and be their God. If we did not know about the tabernacles, how would we be able to understand this? That's right. That he tabernacled amongst us. We're going to be like, what is the tabernacle? Because we never read about it. We never studied about it. But it says that he shall tabernacle among them. 
Now let's read the same chapter, but verse 22 through 27 of chapter 21 of the book of Revelation. And it says, I saw no temple in her, for its temple is Adonai Elohei Sebaot, and the Lamb. And the city has no need for the sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God lights it up. And it's the and its lamp is the lamp. So when we look at the temple and we see the menorah, which is what lights up the temple inside, there's not going to be no need for that anymore. Or as I mentioned before, the pole with the with the large four bowls and the oil, we're not going to need that anymore, because he is the one. He is the lamp. Verse twenty four: The nation shall walk by its light. So it's going to be so bright, because there's no sun, there's no moon. They're going to walk by its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory into it. Its gates shall never be shut by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring into it the glory and honor of the nations. And nothing unholy, nothing unholy shall ever enter it nor anyone doing what is detestable or false, but only those written in the book of life. One of the things that when you're celebrating, or when you're partaking in Yom Kippur, one of the prayers is that may our names be written in the book of life. When we're asking for forgiveness, when we're doing Teshuvah, when we're repenting before the Lord and we are fasting and we are in His presence, that's one of the prayers. May our names be written in the book of life. As I mentioned before, Sukkot lasts for seven days, and the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, is called Hoshana Rabbah. Hoshana Rabbah. Hoshana means to save or save us, and Rabbah means great, meaning the great salvation. The great salvation, which this means, this would be the millennial reign to come of Messiah Yeshua, the great salvation. But when we go to 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, remember I kept on saying, I kept on mentioning seven days, seven days, that this is to be celebrated, seven days. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, it mentions how a thousand years is a day, and a day is a thousand years. This is the great salvation of our King. Matthew 15 verse 24 says, but he responded, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Emphasis on only. So if you don't consider yourself a part of Israel, I'm not going to say it, the word is clear. Romans chapter 11. I promise I'll be done soon. Romans 11, verse 25 to 26. Romans 11, 
25 through 26, and it says, For I do not want you, brothers and sisters, to be ignorant of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own eyes, that a partial hardening has come upon Israel. So the hardening is on our Jewish brothers. Why? Because they do have the Torah, they do have the scriptures, but they still have the veil over their eyes until the time comes. So there is a partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel, all Israel will be saved. So do you consider yourself part of Israel? All of Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer shall come out of Zion. He shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Remember, death shall be no more when Messiah comes. Because he will take away our sins. All Israel will be saved. Our king who was on his throne, he came down to this earth and tabernacled amongst us. Yeshua was born, and we all know this. Yeshua was born in Bethlehem, and we know that Bethlehem, when we break it down, is Bethlehem, which is house, bread, so the house of bread. House of bread, and we know that Yeshua is the bread of life, and we can see it in the book of John, chapter 6, verse 48. And during this time, when they had gone to Bethlehem, the shepherds were in the region, out in the field, and they were guarding their flocks, okay? And I'm going to put emphasis on this, and, and like I said, not to make fun of anyone, but the shepherds would not stay outside in the winter. Meaning, Christmas did not exist at all. Because they said that Jesus was born in Christmas Day, Christmas falls in winter, and usually over there in Israel, they have pretty severe winters. And you're not going to find a shepherd with his sheep outside and all the snow that's coming down on them, right? So this would not happen during the winter time when they would be, so that is a sign. You have the shepherds outside, they're taking care of their flocks. You have Miriam and Joseph that they were seeking a place to abide in, to abide in, to shelter in, because she was about to give birth. And Joseph tried to get a room in one of the inns, but none were available. And they were left, that doesn't say the word outside, but they were left by a manger. And usually those, you would find it outside, in a, uh, the, out, the outside, uh, under, a, I think it's a stable, I think it's called. So you would find this outside because it was near the animals. So you're not going to find any animals inside an inn. Okay? As we read about Yeshua's birth, either in the book of Matthew or in the book of Luke, nowhere you will find, as I mentioned, the word Christmas. And you will not find either Miriam and Joseph that they were out in the snow or the winter, because it doesn't mention none of that either. Okay? When we see the word in, I-N-N, in the Greek, there are two words. You have katalima, which means place of lodging or temporary shelter, 
or you have Pandogeon, which is a public house for the reception of strangers. So here in the book of Luke, they were probably referring more to Pandeoc than Catalina. So it was a place where strangers would gather when they would travel from different areas and they were able to find one place to station at, okay? But since there was no room inside the inn, as I mentioned, usually the mangers are outside close to the animals and it was considered a temporary booth or hut. So salvation came on the earth during this feast day and the great salvation will happen during this feast day. So we don't have an exact date of when he was born, but we have clues that would indicate that it was around during the time of tabernacle. So he, was, he came to the earth and tabernacled among us, and then the great day of the salvation will be or could be around this time. And this is why we need to keep a lookout and stay alert. But we can only stay alert when we study and we look into the meaning of the feast days. So this is a time to rejoice. This is Yeshua is coming for his bride. I'm going to give you a couple of more verses. I know I just threw half of the Bible to you, but we have to read. Isaiah chapter 12, verse 1 through 6. Isaiah 12, 1 through 6. And you can see it. The title of this chapter says, Wells of Salvation. And what comes out of wells? Water. So we have verse 1. In that day you will say, I will give thanks. I will give you thanks, Adonai. Further, you were angry with me. We know many times God has been angry with us. God has been angry with his people. We've read it. You were angry with me. Your anger is turned away and you comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord Adonai is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day you will say, give thanks to Adonai, proclaim his name, declare his works to the peoples, so they remember, so they remember his exalted name. Sing to Adonai, for he has done gloriously let this be known in all the earth so we are not to keep this to ourselves we are to teach others let it be known in all the earth cry out and shout so blowing of the trumpets blowing shouting blow out cry out and shout inhabitants of zion for great in your midst so in our midst the one who tabernacled amongst us is the holy one of Israel. Amen. Psalms, the book of Psalms, chapter 35, verse 9. I'll just read it off here. So Psalms, chapter 35, verse 9 says, Then my soul will rejoice in Adonai and delight in his salvation. 
Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9 says, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, a righteous one bringing salvation. Isaiah 61.10 I will rejoice greatly in Adonai. So this is a time of rejoicing during Sukkot. I will rejoice greatly in Adonai. My soul will be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. With garments of salvation. He has wrapped me in a robe of righteousness, like a bridegroom wearing a priestly turban, like a bride adorning herself with her jewels. And the final verse, Revelation. Chapter 22, verse 20 to 21. The one giving testimony to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Yeshua. May the grace of the Lord Yeshua be with all. Amen. I pray that you have received remember the feast, remember the meanings of the feast so you may